People of the world, welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language for this very special episode. Today, we're going to be talking about compassion and entrepreneurship and the intersection of those two somewhat disparate ideas. So this was all birthed from an experience I had last week where I was looking at the numbers, the finances um, of Send It Rising, the company that I happen to own. And in my mind, there is a dollar amount that represents success and one that represents failure or a floor that I'm not willing to go beneath. And when I look at the evolution of the company over, over, over many years, and that includes uh, the experiences I had uh, when I was an employee, because I see the whole thing as one large path, a Tao, if you will. And what I notice is compassion, which is the willingness of team members to share with one another when they're suffering, to ask for help, to receive it, and to give it, is so obvious. And yet, we find ourselves many, many times growing cold because the mind protects the future. If we are all heart all of the time, then we will give our house to a homeless person. Here, live with me. Here, take all my money. I don't want it. And so the heart mind, the xin xin, is a balance like anything, like anything in life. And so I, I heard suffering on Friday from folks that I work with. And I'm looking at the finances and I have a visceral physical reaction. <laughs> and it's not equanimous. It's not calm. It's worked up. And those moments in my life are reflective of my lack of faith. Lack of faith in the people that surround me. And so it takes me time to come around, but I do come around. I come around eventually in the moment. I'm afraid and I want others to understand my fear. And of course, if that's what I am in that moment, I'm reminded of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer who, uh, who was able to take just the most ferocious canines and become their friends, despite how much barking and biting those dogs were exhibiting.
And so when it comes to entrepreneurship, it seems like, okay, I just need to find some clients or someone to buy my product, someone who understands just how good my service is. And it seems so mechanical. Go network, um, be extroverted, make connections with people, do what you say you're gonna do. It's, it's all of the socialization we've done our entire lives made manifest in a business environment. And you get a few clients, a few people buy what you're selling and you have to get to a certain dollar amount to achieve a standard of living that you're used to or you think you deserve. And then the employees come. And I've had such a hard time my entire career as a leader with the word employee, because it feels discompassionate. To me, on one level, I'm the boss and they're the employee. That That's a channel. And that channel is very relevant when it comes to a lot of the behavior we have. But on another channel, we're both human. And on another channel, we are both consciousnesses and so we dance in between these different channels and today on the meeting it was a very human channel it was from my voice hey look i get scared too and the fear that i have is completely unfounded and by that, I mean, there are people who aren't anywhere near the financial situation that I find myself in that are a lot less fearful than I am. And a lot of my fear stems from the desire to continue to grow the wealth of the people I surround myself with, my, myself, <laughs> which is to say people need raises. People need to grow within a company. And so when I look to hire someone to help staff, I have to also understand that it's not just the money that, that people want. They want a good working environment, which is to say, I'm burnt out, Kellen. Or this is too much. It's just too much work. Hire somebody. The subtext, of course, is hire somebody and continue to pay me more. Which is, I think, the burden of ownership. Because on the one hand, the compassionate heart goes, of course, I'll, I'll hire 20 people. I want you to be happy. And then, of course, you, you have to balance that with either incredible faith in the growth of your company, which may or may not occur. And so the mind projects fear to try to sober you from the drunkenness of the heart. <laughs> the heart that just wants to give it all away. Take it. I don't even want it. Take it. 
And so if you're in the mind too much all of the time, it's just numbers or it's, it's antics. Like I could get away with paying them this much. I could, I could get away with, you know, them being at a certain morale. I can get this. It's, it's looking at human beings like chess pieces is what it is. That's what the mind wants to do. The mind wants to look at it and go and just see a position. And by position, I mean the best chess players are considered positional chess players, which is they can look at the position of one side versus the other and, and see that a certain side is winning or has a slight advantage. And so to develop a compassionate heart alongside intelligence and a discerning mind is, is of course the balance this is of course the balance. And so in the early days of entrepreneurship, you have to be very compassionate with yourself <laughs> and understand that it's slow. It can be very slow starting. And then that evolves, that compassion that you have for yourself evolves into compassion that you have for those and their dreams. Today in the morning meeting, I told my staff, look, not everyone here may want to be rich. Not everyone on this call may want wealth because it comes with all these attachments there. There are things that a job will ask you, ask of you that you are not interested in. It's not worth it. And that's fine too. The terrifying conversation to have with your boss going, you know what, this, this amount of work at this point is about, this is about where I, where I want to sit. Cause I want to see my kids. I don't want to work nights. I don't want to work weekends. I want to turn off the job, that sort of thing. And so having enough self-respect to try to find that balance is it's very tricky. And then of course there's compassion for clients. If you work at a restaurant and someone comes in and they're just a nightmare on one level, they are just a nightmare and you can try to muscle compassion in an experience like that and say, okay, I'm just going to smile and grin and bear it. You can turn the channel and go, all right, this person's having a bad day. Justify that. On another channel, you can say this being and I are the same being. We are both the universe expressing itself. And so any anger that I feel for this person is just me being mad at myself. What am I doing? It's a, uh, drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And then hopefully there's a channel where all of that is just hilarious. <laughs> the whole predicament is just hilarious. Because what you'll find is suffering plus time equals comedy. You look at back at it years from then and go, oh, what an absolute disaster that was. And do you need to look at it from the beach house in San Diego? 
the $8 million mansion? Or is the $8 million mansion your heart and your mind that you've crafted and forged over the years into something beautiful? Hopefully the mansion resides in you. And so I don't know what Jeff Bezos thinks about. I just have a hard time believing that that his particular brand of life and enlightenment is any better than someone who owns a life insurance company. Compassion for those that work with you. And by that, I mean the ability to get out of your own ego, to stop identifying with your melodrama. Ah, but my suffering, it's so exquisite. <laughs> if only my, my staff understood my suffering better. <laughs> uh, because what that does is it projects suffering. It projects suffering. And do you, do you want to be leading from a place of suffering and fear? If you step out of your own ego for a moment and you go, okay, I am my client. I wake up, I brush my teeth, my wrist hurts. <laughs> you know, my stomach, I feel a little nauseous. Go downstairs, water, coffee, hop in the car. It's a two-thirds of tank, you know. Okay, when do I have to get gas? And probably in four days, it's fine. Put on the podcast, right? Fight traffic, get cut off. Cut somebody off. Get a mediocre parking spot, you know? Say hi to the person when they walk through the door. You're two minutes late. Sit down, phone rings. It's a telemarketer, <laughs> don't answer. <laughs> I feel a little bit of a coffee buzz. Check my email. Spam, 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 spam. Hey, what's that? It's an email that says, I love you. <laughs> and it says, no, I really do. I, I really love you. That's it. Just, just want to let you know that, you know, hope you're doing good. And I appreciate you. It's the only email all day they're going to get that says that. Not selling anything, not doing anything. Isn't that wild? How do you get to a place where you see that? It's only through exiting you and using your imagination to become somebody else. That's compassion. Because that nausea, that coffee buzz, that check in the email, that's compassion because it's not even me. It's just someone, just a random person, I, a random client. And so you can call it, 
let's let's combine the words empathy with the visualization empathization <laughs> empathization empathization is that is that gonna work is that gonna work for you <laughs> oh man so we get focus groups and we ask them questions and that's fine that's a form of empathy Tell me what you think. Tell me what you really think, you know? We're paying them, so that, of course, colors it. So to suffer alongside someone, to be willing to say, you know what? My drama, my life story, my suffering, my this, my that. You can easily spend an entire life doing that. And you can easily spend a lifetime thinking, what what would I want to hear if I'm them, right? You can you can think of it that way. Like, if I'm them, would I, oh, you know, our clients really resonate when I say we're month to month or that sort of thing. And it is something completely different, completely different to, compl to stop what you're doing and see you talking to them. After you've experienced their life you know kid on the playground getting picked on first love you know first time they drank you just you go through their life and then it you just you realize just how you're just a stranger in the end or you're a sales call and then you see yourself for what you actually are, which is to say, I'm just a voice resonating on a computer somewhere. That's all. <laughs> I'm just a voice on a computer. I'm just, just another podcaster. Just one more in a long, long line of random voices that enter the mind and the ears of you or you could say of me depends how you want to phrase it so if i'm a listener of this show at this point i'm going he is talking to me <laughs> he is talking to me because i am i am talking to you and it's no coincidence and it's absolutely no coincidence Kellen at senditrising.com, K-E-L-L-E-N at S-E-N-D-I-T-R-I-S-I-N-G.com is where you can reach me if you want to talk in a different method where I can actually hear your voice or read your words. And so to have someone feel love or... I mean, even in the, the context of service. So we, we want to serve someone. And we want them to pay us for it. You know? And we want to do that so many times that we've become wealthy. So many of us. This is the, this is the ideal. And so... The person paying us, what do they feel when they pay us? For many people, it's cringe. I've learned this. I will be close to closing a client. And 
if I'm wrapped up in my own melodrama, I think, yeah, here we go. We did it. I did it, right? Making a sale. Fantastic. Dopamine, serotonin, all that. So I'm dealing with my own chemical cocktail of brain chemicals. Meanwhile, I'm not spending near a moment going into the mind of the person making that purchase. When people get to the checkout, that's not the fun part of shopping. (laughs) Have you noticed that? You look at the thing you want, you know, you're like, yeah, excited about that thing. The, The parting ways with the money part is not the best part. You know, in the same way that snowboarding is fun, crashing is less fun. And so I've learned to make the checkout process fast. Oh, okay, you're ready to buy? Fantastic. Credit card, boom, boom, boom. Two minutes later, it's done. Okay, bye. They, most folks do not want to sit around and chit-chat at that point. They, uh, you know what? Come to think of it, is it possible that cashiers, part of their job is to distract you from how much money you're spending? <laughs> you know, like the best cashiers sort of, you know, they, they chat with you and you just, you don't realize that with every beep, you're, you know, you're parting ways with your hard-earned money. Maybe cashiers are the most zen people among us at the end of the day. (laughs) Too funny. So yes, if passion is suffering and compassion is, is understanding the suffering of others, then you know what to do. Imagine you need a website. And just go through that whole experience, whatever, you know, Whatever it is that you're selling, become the client. Contemplate the experience of your customer when they finally arrive and see you. What is it about you? You know, what's it like to go through their journey? What is it like to be that person? This is fundamental marketing. And the takeaway, of course, is not, what would I do if I were this person? Like. So it's no, you become them. Have your consciousness, leave your body, have it find a potential client and inhabit that client's body. Smells, taste, touch, all of it. All of it. That's the secret. That's the secret to anything, really. Because in relationships, it's the same thing. Become the other person and things become much clearer. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you swinging by the show today. I hope you walked away with something helpful. That is it for now. We'll see you next time.